Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast presented by Built Bar. That's right. You know that Built Bar is the official sponsor of the Locked On Senators podcast. And we could not be happier because Built Bar is the go-to protein bar for all three of the boys here on the Locked On Senators podcast. And there's a very simple reason why. 15 grams of protein, but only 4 grams of of sugar. Yeah, cut out all that unnecessary sweetness and focus on what's going to give you energy, especially after a workout. Today, I went for a little bit of a run, not to brag, but after when I came back, the salted caramel chocolate built bar was right there for me. And that vaulted right up to the top of my built bar power rankings. What an amazing flavor. You just have to try it, and you can. You can go to BuiltBar.com, and don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON. Yeah, that's right. Promo code LOCKEDON gets you $10 off your first box. And what's great about these boxes is you can get an assortment of flavors, and Built Bar has you covered with 16 flavors. I mentioned the salted caramel chocolate I'm going to have today. Well, if you want something a little bit more classic, why not go with Peanut butter. Oh, man. Not, not only dog's favorite food, peanut butter, but mine as well. So, BuiltBar.com, the official sponsor of the Locked On Senators podcast. Coming up on today's show, we continue the Send Central preliminary draft rankings. We're going to do players 45 to 41. And TSN finally unveiled their all-time Senators team. And when they said all-time, they meant it. We'll get into that. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, May 6th. Hilsey, unbelievable background on Zoom there. He is in the parking lot of the CTC. What's the mood down at the arena? Well, as you can see, it's... Uh... It's pretty empty here. There's no one here. People social distancing. I just thought I'd bring a little CTC atmosphere to the pod. And, uh, you know, only only a handful of some of the all-time senators that the TSN crew selected actually played here. I think the rest of them might have played on uh, the Rideau Canal or whatever bodies of water were available at that time in the early 1900s so i uh, love to see those guys you know them you love them you just love you love seeing those guys on the all-time senators list as of course uh you can't see you can only hear so that's some bad radio Pillsy's background on his zoom is the ctc parley what's going on i know you had some immediate gripes with the all-time sends list Oh, yeah, I just want to shout out the CTC real quick and then uh, tell you guys a quick little story of how we used to call the apartment that Ross currently lives in and I used to live in the uh, Canadian Tire Center remote location because all things senators came out of that thing. Out of that apartment, we uh, we spent a lot of time with that logo in our face. So a little backstory on the two of us there. But, yeah, that TSN list, I was hot when I saw that. Not only... Do they leave Chris Neal not on the ice? Mind you, this guy fought for you, bled for you, and played for you for over a thousand NHL games. You don't even put him as your foundational player while this guy still works for the team in a fan appreciation role. 
Ah, they put yeah, in. Yeah, but Parley, you're not going to put Neil there instead of George Boucher. Like, when you oh, think yeah, Ottawa the centers, uncle. you think good old George Boucher. First of all, all three, three of, of us, us had to Google him. Yeah, like what? Like, oh yeah, that guy really represents. Let me see if that's true on Google here. It, yeah. it was unbelievable that these guys have the the gall to go out and name this guy the foundational player. Like 1927, heck of a year. Rounded out a good six-year career, and then he went and worked in the oil mines because that's all they did back then. Like, it's unbelievable that they put these things out there. If you're putting this all on stats, let's like have let's have like stats on a curve. You know what I mean? Like, can this guy have a curve on his stick? Like, that should be the starting one right there. The, the amount of hockey that has been played since this guy retired, let alone rest in peace, lived, I mean, is unbelievable. The game has changed so much. And for it to be entertaining, I don't understand the entertainment aspect of throwing six names or eight names or whatever on a list for your listeners, for TSN or viewers, however they're giving us this content. Like, how is that fun for us? This makes zero sense for me. And why are there names on the list? I don't get it. I'm mad about it. And yeah, I I don't like it. So Chris Neal is on the roster, though. Fourth line right winger. Same with Daniel Alfredson. Those are the two guys when you think the fabric, the DNA of the Senators organization bled for the jersey for 17 and 16 years, I want to say, for the two of them. Um, However, they wanted to go with somebody not on the roster. No foundational player has also been on the lineup. You'll remember uh, when we did our own, we had Jean-Gabriel Pajot as our foundational player. I definitely see the gripes with that. And uh, I guess you just have to embrace that they're doing the all-time thing. And I was listening to TSN 1200 today, and uh, the quiz master, Steve Dryden uh, from TSN, the guy who's behind the list, I think mostly, he said that when there was an award given out at the turn, I think it was about 1960, he said, and the Ottawa Senators were actually the team of the half century. So he said he just wanted to give some props to that. And just because it's in history doesn't mean their memory should fade away. So I did kind of appreciate that as uh, an analogy and, and saying that Frank Niber, who I had never even heard of, you know, you hear about Frank Finnegan just because he has that number eight retired, but Frank neighbor put up some, some pretty ridiculous numbers himself. And then you look at Alec Connell actually holds uh, the NHL record still to this day with the longest shutout streak of all time. He had six consecutive shutouts way back in 1927. I don't think, Parley, you were a twinkle in your great-grandfather's eye at that point, but he went 460 minutes and 69 seconds, or 49 seconds, of course, uh, without letting in a goal. So, that caused me to do a quick Google search, and we found this guy. I mean, as most goalies were, just an all-time style. But you'd also look and say that pizza line, of course, the top line, Jason Spezza, Danny Heatley, and Daniel Alfredson. How many goals would they score on that guy in practice? It would be bad. Like, I mean, every puck on the ice would be in the net. That poor guy. I mean... I don't know why TSN didn't go to the Fathers of Confederation, the the OG Ottawa Senators. Where's Sir John A. Macdonald on this list? George Brown. Like, if we're if we're going back to the early 1900s, 
I like anyone could be on this list. I I think you know what they did a good job though, because once in a while it's nice to get mad at a list. So it felt good to get a list and just be pissed off, and that's good stuff. I love it, and you know what else is great is there's a lot of overlapping between our list and there specifically the fourth line where we had our most shuffling. You know, you can make cases for Chris Kelly. There were some other guys that we threw out. Vermette had an opportunity. We thought. Um, Zenon Kanopka. <laughs> yeah, when you picked your own team, you had Zenon on there because uh, you just really wanted that intimidation factor, of course. But they went with Mike Fisher, Magnus Arvidsson, The Machine, and Chris Neal for that fourth line. Lots of similarities, too, on our third line with Mark Stone and Sean McEachern anchoring both sides of the wing. They went with Alexi Yashin. We had Radic Bonk there, and Yashin slotted up on the second line, of course, Ours was only the modern-day Senator, so we didn't bother with Frank Nyber or Cy Denany, um, who they have on the left-wing spot that we had occupied by Martin Havlat. Pilsy, is Martin Havlat the biggest snub on this list, or is it Radic Bonk? Yeah, it's got to be one of those two guys. And also, honorable mention for a snub, Patty Laleem. I mean, you rattled off some pretty good uh, stats for our old-time goaltender there, but Patty Laleem, man... He played. He had a lot of good years in Ottawa. I mean, everyone remembers the the playoff losses against the Leafs, but his numbers were really good. Yeah, they were really good. And I t- we tweeted out from Send Central too that crazy stat that in playoff games, out of the forty six playoff games that Patty Laleem played with the Sens, Ottawa failed to score a goal in eleven of them. So he didn't get the offensive support. There, of course, those. Pretty, uh, yeah, weak ones. But he also had great playoff moments. You think of the three consecutive shutouts in the Philly series. And in 03, when they made it to Game 7 of the conference final, he was light out. And, of course, the Philly series was was the first, uh, the second one in, in that run. But, oh, man, it's, it is a shame that he's not on there. And then you do read the list or the kind of the little paragraph, partly, they put on uh, tsn.ca and, yeah, Patty Laleem had 30 shutouts, which is the most for the Sens 2.0. But Alec Connolly had 43 shutouts during a three-season span, which was 16 more than any other goalie during that period. So you could say it, there were a lot more shutouts in general back then, a lot less scoring. But 16 more than any of his competition is pretty ridiculous at the same time. Well, I'm going to make the argument that Patty Laleem had to play against more than 16 more teams than he did. So you got to think about the talent that was in the league at that time. I just think that when these names get put in there, I mean, obviously there's stats that I'm a big believer in, in keeping stats alive. So um, people that want to shorten the season or do whatever, make the nets bigger, make the goalie equipment smaller. I think that you got to keep some sort of uh, kind of basis just so that you don't end up throwing the stat book out the window but going back that far it's pretty hard to uh, I guess compare and uh, completely appreciate the body of work that they put in there's a lot of different things that go and variables that go into uh, talking about all these players and I definitely think there's some modern modern era players that are better athletes and uh, put up some numbers that in comparison are a little more feasible and uh, easier to understand, I guess. So that's Alec Connell, who played with the Ottawa Senators from 1924 until 1931. We mentioned the Leem, a bit of a snub, which means 
No surprise. The only current member, which was a part of the criteria of this team, was Craig Anderson Pilsey. A very earned honor for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've gone over it uh, multiple times. Craig Anderson, he holds pretty much every single uh, goaltender statistic uh, leading category that the Sens have had in their franchise. So it's an obvious choice to put him on there. And we also talked about it on our other show. Him and the Leem were the only ones who Ottawa 2.0, we'll call it, uh, team that actually had the minimum games, the 225 minimum games played for the center. So they were shoe-ins if we were going by Ottawa 2.0. But yeah, you got to get Andy in there no matter what. So that's the goalies pretty cut and dry there with Craig Anderson. And yeah, if you're going to go way back, then yeah, sure. We'll throw in, of course, out Connell. So let's move up to the defense. So their top pair, they've got Wade Redden with Eric Carlson. So avoiding my dream of the Zdeno Chera and Eric Carlson pair, but both guys were going to be on this team regardless, right, Parley? Absolutely. I mean, there's no there's no denying the fact that these guys put in a body of work that is going to put them in this conversation every single time you have it. I'm with you, though. I would have gone Big Z and Eric Carlson just because of the dominance of play they both had. If you're talking the best two defensemen in Senators history, it's really hard to argue against those two. Pilsy, where would King Clancy fit on your all-time Senators? I, I didn't have him on my uh, list. I mean, he took Mark Mathot's spot for... Yeah, I know. I can't believe it, eh, Parley? He Parley, took Mark Mathot's spot on our uh, list. If you were working today, you wouldn't have seen... Um, there are some light jabs being thrown at Mark Mathot over that. And I don't know who suggested that maybe a fight would be in the works for that spot. And Mark Mathot um, posted a gif of these two huge guys shoving a little guy back and forth. And he said, I'll see that five foot seven guy at the <laughs> where wherever, whenever he said. But obviously he was just You would crazy, hip check him into oblivion. Like I he'd thought be that gone. was funny. Yeah, uh, King Clancy, five foot seven, and one of only two players to appear on multiple lists. He was on the Leafs one as well. Lanny McDonald, the other one who was on Calgary and uh, Toronto uh, for that one. Uh, he's on a pair here with Zidane Chera, who had a short but very very impressive five-year career in Ottawa after coming over as almost a throw-in. In uh, obviously Yashin for Spezza was was the fair trade or, or what people thought, and then when Zdeno Chera grew into and still is maybe the most dominant defenseman of the last twenty years, um, consistently at least. Um, you, you just it's a shoe-in, right? He was a runner-up or in the running for the Norris Trophy for well, three, maybe even four of the five seasons. Just an unreal player. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, you, ahead, you look at a guy like Chris Pronger and Nick Lidstrom, they might have an argument with you for most dominant player in the last 20 years. But, I mean, this guy for sure, he's continued to do it absolute animal physically, but like work ethic-wise and athletic ability, pound for pound, probably one of the most athletic players in the league. And then you had the... You add the height advantage into it as well. Um, it just seems crazy that King Clancy's on this list. Uh, I've kind of already had my gripe with it all, but t- if you're going to be putting names out there like that, I definitely think that when we put our list together, we were a little more realistic with 
what is happening and what has happened. I mean, body of work wise, sure, King Clancy could play a bunch of games for them, but I mean, quality of hockey comparisons. I, I could go on and on forever about this, but yeah, Big Z, absolutely zero shock. I've made a case for him, and we all did, to be on that top line. So, I mean, Pills, what do you think? Like, this guy this guy has to be on the list. I think that King Clancy maybe probably shouldn't be. Well, you know, I didn't watch King Clancy play, so uh, I'm not going to be too hard on him. But Did you not have the- cable back then, or what? Yeah, my, my radio uh, subscription was down at that point, so that that was a big issue. But the thing that always gets me about Chara, too, and this isn't Senators-related, but the miles that have been on those massive legs is just ridiculous. Like, he played, he's played 182 playoff games. Like, that's just wild. So the fact that he's been able to uh, compete at this level when it it seems like the game is getting smaller and faster and he's getting bigger and slower, right? So for him to still be doing it is legendary. And yeah, miss seeing Big Z wearing the red for the Sens. But real quick to hop in there too, Pills. Like, Ross, you mentioned it. It was kind of like a throw-in deal because of the Yashin for Spets. It was obviously the one-for-one one in that deal. And then it's just kind of kickers at that point, whichever franch- whatever the- each franchise is willing to give up. But you almost go back to that old adamant where you see it a lot in like junior hockey drafts. Like you can teach skill, but you can't teach size. So you get a guy who's six foot nine and he's just built. I mean, you you think to yourself, well, at least he's going to be intimidating coming off the bus. Well, he turned into one of the hardest working, most effective players in the league. And I think that trickles down from a guy I mentioned earlier, a guy like Nicholas Lindstrom, where, I mean, you'd talk about one of the best sticks in NHL history. Well, I mean, you look at Big Z's game, he's got one of the longest sticks in NHL history. Shout out Mario Lemieux, who used just a ridiculously long stick. And Marty St. Louis, remember that yellow synergy he used that was like taller than him when he had skates on? That guy was funny to watch too. But going back to my point in Big Z, just absolutely dominant in everything that he did. And to be a throw in on deal and then be playing this effectively and this many minutes and that many playoff games and as you mentioned just the miles and miles and miles he's put on those legs up until what his 42nd year well 42nd year alive I don't know how many years exactly he's been in the league but yeah it's it's incredible to watch this guy play and continue to dominate and kind of use those special skills that he has and uh, physical traits to just dominate in and out of every game yeah, there's a great interview today with Jason Spezza on uh, 1200. Said that Chara was really hard on himself too when he was young and would just shoot pucks after a game. He said he used to ride 10 miles after every game as well, would just be on the bike um, sweating it out for, uh, well, twice the time of his teammates. Jason Spezza will end here uh, with, the, with the pizza line, probably the most uh, impressive line at the at the time, definitely in the league for uh, probably a three-year span, I would say definitely too. When Heatley put up the back-to-back fifty-goal seasons, what uh, what made that line so special, Pillar? Honestly, uh, I'm going to go with Jason Spezza because um, he talked about it in that interview you just referenced. The chemistry was just off the charts, but Spezza was just able to dish Alfie and Heatley the puck. It like without looking at them, like he was doing spinorama passes, drop passes. Mind you, sometimes his extra passes would drive you absolutely crazy because he would pass it behind him on a breakaway sometimes, which is just mind-blowing. But Spezza was a big part of that because 
he was in the prime of his uh, assist ability when he was with uh, Danny Heatley and Daniel Alfredson. So, yeah, I would say Spezza and uh, his ability to get those guys the puck, and those two guys are a hell of a finisher, especially Heater. Well, the Spets, uh, the Spez dispenser, as he was yeah. uh, so well known at with Ottawa in the three seasons, or sorry, the four seasons that uh, Heatley and Spezza played together, Spezza had 223 assists in 293 games, which is crazy. So impressive. 342 and, points in 293 for well over a game. And, and the, you, you mentioned what makes this line so good, and it's almost that perfect line where you look at just an absolutely lethal goal scorer, an absolutely unbelievable disher of the puck in Jason Spezza, and then Daniel Alfredson, who just, it was a it was almost like the Mario in video games, just did everything well, you know what I mean? Just so consistent and so good. But I think the most impressive thing, Ross, and it might sound silly to say, but I'm from Woodstock, Ontario, which is deep in the heart of Leafland. And uh, there was posters around Woodstock of the pizza line. And for the Senators' arrival team to break through right like that and just have three faces of the game for what was a couple seasons in a row was so was so important to me as a Senators fan deep in the heart of where 22 minutes of a 30-minute SportsCenter episode were about the Leafs. So uh, it was so refreshing to see things like that and just dominance personified by that line. Well, they were so good that the pizza pizza promotion had to change from five goals to six and Spezza talked about that today they were well aware because the fans didn't let them forget when they had that fifth goal we want pizza was always the chant ringing through at the time the Corral Center or maybe it was Scotiabank Place I don't know there's been so many names man can't keep up um but they were just unreal eh Pilsy? yeah and I was gonna say uh, you know you've made it when you've hit Woodstock, Ontario. So uh, that was probably a dream of Daniel Alfredson playing, uh, growing up in Sweden, playing hockey. If I could just make it to Woodstock, Ontario, that's it. He doesn't need that cup. I clearly remember a poster of them on a McDonald's door. I don't know why that's <laughs> such a clear memory for me, but yeah. Welcome to Woodstock, Alfie. <laughs> One of his many career achievements Alfie would definitely without question wear the C on that one a couple other notes of course no Senators all-time team is complete without Brian Murray he was the general manager um, for this team without question although Marshall Johnson should get a lot of credit he was behind the ever famous and previously mentioned trade to acquire Spezza and Chera and he really created the the teams that had those those consecutive playoff streaks. What was it? Thirteen years in a row that they that they made the playoffs from their first time all the way up until uh, well past when Brian Murray took over. So I want to say Marshall Johnson is a big reason for the franchise's success, but Brian Murray rightfully there. Hey, what do you boys think about uh, Jacques Martin being named the coach? Like longevity wise, it makes sense, but <sighs> could Brian Murray have double dipped there? I think so. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that one. Um, I mean. There's so much respect throughout the organization for a guy that just kind of stood up for his values. He was an old school guy that you knew what he wanted out of you. And if you weren't going to give it to him, you probably weren't going to play. Uh, he was like that as a coach. And I think he was like that as a general manager too. kind of the word that comes to mind for him is integrity for me. And I think that's the thing that a lot in the business side of hockey can get lost a lot. Uh, dollar signs are meaning a lot more than 
integrity. And I just think that Brian Murray stayed to who he was throughout his entire career. And I have a lot of respect for Brian Murray. So yeah, if he would have double dipped, uh, he probably would have for me if I was given the, uh, if I was given a spot on that show and a vote in this whole thing. So yeah, he would have doubled it for me and I'm, a, I, I'm not, I can't say I'm surprised just for entertainment's sake and, um, uh, for filling out a bunch of different names and recognizing an organization that's had a lot of people, but yeah, Brian Murray probably would have doubled up for me. It's, it's hard to argue though. Jacques Martin, the all-time franchise leader in regular season and playoff victories, one coach of the year in 1999 and led the senators to a president's trophy as well. So people remember the playoff struggles, but Jacques Martin did a lot of good things for the organization. Okay, before we move on to the draft ranking continuation. So we're going to do prospects number 45 through 41. We'll just end off with the final cuts. So at goalie, it was Patrick Laleem. Lefty, it was Mark Mathot. On right defense, Jason York, which I think might surprise some, but not those who were watching the Sens closely at that time. He was a good two-way defenseman as they started their progression from a rebuilding team into a contending team. There's that famous picture of Jason York jumping into Ron Tugnut's arms when they clinched the playoffs for the first time. Great iconic photo in Sem's history right there. And then up front at left wing, Mike Hoffman, right wing, Marty Havlat, and at center, Radic Bonk. We already touched on all that. So without further ado, we're going to need some energy, boys, for the second half of the show. So I think I'm going to have to open my Built Bar. And I told you I had the salted caramel chocolate Built Bar, one of the 16 flavors that Built Bar has to offer. Well, right now, as we get into the draft rankings, I'm going to get into this peanut butter one. Get that little extra boost with 20 grams of protein in this. Only 170 calories, so it's great. You don't have to worry about putting on any pounds. And Pillar, how impressive is this? All that good protein in there and only three grams of sugar. I don't believe it. Well, you better believe it because Built Bar has you covered with not only a wide variety, but everything you need for your body to perform in its highest capability. You want, why leave potential on the table? Have your Built Bar and make sure you fulfill that. High in fiber as well, so you'll feel great afterwards, and you're going to lose or maintain weight while indulging. That's how little fat there is, how little sugar. It's all the good stuff and none of that. Ugh, you don't want that fake granulated sugar in there. It's just not good for you. So get what's good for you. Go to builtbar.com and put in promo code locked on. Yeah, that's right. You put in that promo code Parley. $10 off. What would you spend that $10 off that you're going to get because you know that the Locked On Podcast Network has your back here at builtbar.com. To be honest, I'd probably spend it on beer. So yeah, built bars are a lot better for me. I could have told you that. Uh, probably a six pack of Bush Light, eh? Bush heavy. Come on. <laughs> Either way, that beer would taste even better when you're washing down a built bar, right? Because who works out if not so that you can indulge in the finer things in life? So have a little in between, right? You you need that that hover. It's just like taking the edge off like Jason Spezza spending five years in Dallas before going to the Leafs. Could you imagine if you went right to the Leafs? That would have been insane. So don't go right to beer after your workout, mix in a built bar in between. And you don't have to worry about liking the flavors because they have you covered with 16 different flavors and you can get them all in the same box. And that box, 
will cost $10 less when you put in locked on as your promo code. Go to builtbar.com. And these growing prospects would probably like to use a built bar. So, Pilsy, why don't you lead us off with number 45 in the official Send Central draft rankings? All right, Ross. So, moving on down the list at number 45, a guy by the name of Ozzy Weisblatt. And I don't know if you guys know too much about uh, Ozzy's backstory. It's pretty interesting, actually. Um, Sportsnet did a short documentary about uh, kind of uh, his childhood. And he was actually raised by his single mom, who is deaf. And uh, he, he has four other siblings. Uh, some pretty cool names, too. So you got Ozzy, Ocean, Orca, and then his sister, Oceana. So they're really into the O names, for sure. Um, How about Orca? Orca, don't call me Killer Wiseblatt. <laughs> he seems like a killer, though. He plays in the WHL, too. Um, so definitely some interesting names there. And that's just something, I mean, I don't want to get too much into it, but that's something that really builds a lot of character. He talked about it growing up. Uh, it was definitely tough for him. Uh, he had coaches even who gave him a hard time about how his uh, mother was struggling to make ends meet. And obviously being deaf uh, just makes that all the more difficult. And they were able to pull through. They had help from other families to help uh, get their kids through hockey. So something like that where a family is able to really band together and still have the success that they they've been having i'm pretty sure all three of the brothers play in the whl uh is something that can build character and that's something that uh it's the, with those intangibles that when you get to know a prospect better you can get an appreciation for how hard they've had to work to get there and he's had a really good uh a season with the raiders so i think ozzy weisblatt as as a right winger he's a little bit smaller but he's a guy that definitely the sens could have some interest in how funny is it that, I mean, not funny, but you didn't have to mention that he played in the WHL with names like that. If you follow the <laughs> WHL draft every year, the, the spellings and the names are, are awesome. I know there's some Twitter accounts that always throw it out there every year, all the Kylers and Wilers and Skylers. And Chase. And, yeah, Chase and Jace. Yeah, there's a shout out, Jace Howerluck, another see, oh. WHL guy. You just had, you knew right away. Um, type thing, but Ozzy Weisblatt, yeah, so you mentioned, and he he's grew up in the Kelowna area, right? He played minor hockey there, so you know that means he's high on on Pilsy's list as well. Parley, yeah. what, do you, what do you like about this player who put up 70 points, 25 goals with the Prince Albert Raiders? We have him ranked pretty much where the consensus is. Future Considerations has him in 42nd, 44th by Elite Prospects, and then Scott Wheeler, who we obviously respect his opinion at The Athletic, has him at number 54. I think this guy is kind of a uh, maybe a maybe second liner in the future. Third line, I think, is definitely where you would expect this guy to end up if he does make the NHL. Just his, his skill set. He almost reminds me of a Connor Brown, and this is why. Back in 2016-2017, he was playing for the Calgary Bisons Bantam AAA team. He put up 73 points in 32 games played. Do you remember when Connor Brown absolutely lit up the OHL? I mean, Connor McDavid was on his line, so let's have a little bit of an asterisk on that one. But a guy that can obviously go out there and put the puck in the net or create plays at a young age shows me that before his time, he knew the game of hockey. And now his point production is more than a point per game. 
but has drastically gone down. Obviously, he's not playing bantam hockey anymore in Calgary. But at the same time, it makes you think that he does all the little things right. And that reminds me of a Connor Brown who can win you battles and all 200 feet of the ice. So I think this guy is, a, is maybe a poor man's Connor Brown. Well, he played on a stacked team in Prince Albert last year as well, right? With Brett Leeson and Parker sure. Kelly, who played with uh, with Belleville, was on his team uh, as a teammate as well. So uh, Ian Scott had a 932 save percentage. I don't think they've lost very many games uh, either, but he's almost doubled his point production from his first WHL season to his second. So, yeah, I think he's deserving of a look, absolutely. And uh, with that, I think we should move on to... Pick number 44. Parley, take it away. Luke Evangelista is this name. We had a little bit of a laugh earlier about this guy because I really couldn't pronounce his name before the show started. Yeah, yeah, it took a little bit of practice. I I got some confidence up, don't get me wrong. But this guy, he's, uh, I mean, we talked about it with the last player here, Ozzy Weisblatt, but He's a point-per-game guy. I mean, 61 points and 62 games planned for the London Knights in my backyard this year. And, I mean, there's a guy a little bit ahead of him on the list. I'm not going to get too much into it for uh, the London Knights who, I mean, they, you look at these players and they're absolutely studs when it comes to putting the puck in the net at the OHL level. I mean, this guy... I think he's more of an agile player than anything. You look at him, and he's going to beat you side to side more than he's going to beat you with flat foot speed. But that tells me, you know, he's kind of a balanced guy. Doesn't have a lot of size. He doesn't have a lot of. He doesn't blow you away with his skating. But he's able to compete because he's able to find open zones. Uh, I think that's that's going to get you by in the OHL. I a little bit take a stutter step when I look at players who are uh, kind of a. Maybe a goal scorer more than anything at the OHL level. Uh, he's they the big thing on this guy is he's like an expert stick handler, really good with the puck. Let's see what else he can do with his game. That's all I got on him. Yeah, p- partly what I noticed from the highlights uh, that I was watching uh, of him on YouTube is he really has a, a really good skill for the long cross ice passes. Like there are so many times where whether it was a bad change or just puck luck, he was way ahead of the play. And he just had really good patience waiting and waiting and waiting for his teammates to join the rush. And as that's happening, he's bringing defenders, drawing them towards him. And then he makes that long uh, cross-ice pass and sets up an open guy on the wing. So I think he's got a real uh, ability to dish the puck. And he's a guy that if you put some goal-scoring line mates on his line, they could do a lot of damage. Yeah, he's got a feisty side, too. Uh, stays out of the box, but I've watched a couple of his games this year and uh, always beacon at the opponent, and um, and you like to see that, a little feistiness, a little chippiness for the 18-year-old from Oakville, Ontario. The guy's 5'11", 165, and yeah, no doubt if he has a little feistiness, it's not a surprise to know that his second cousin is none other than Brendan Shanahan. A little note on him uh, there as we move to Pick number 43, or number 43 in our rankings, I should say. Connor McLennan. Pilsy, take it away. Yeah, uh, McLennan, it's an interesting guy because Pronman had him at number 23 uh, in his midseason prospect report, but then he broke his collarbone, unfortunately, and that 
really uh, obviously ended his season. And he's playing with the Winnipeg Ice. They moved from Kootenai. And he got to play a lot with Peyton Krebs before Peyton Krebs got injured as well. Similar and situation. Yeah, exactly. So those are two top guys on that team uh, that went down. And what I noticed about this guy, Ross, and I loved it, this guy wants to score. Like, the highlights that I was watching, when he gets a puck on his stick, it's like head down right to the net, let's get that shot. And I, he's not even thinking about passing that puck unless it's a really obvious play. So I really liked what I saw from uh, Connor McLennan, especially I think uh, stats-wise he was able to keep his pace going when Krebs was out. But the thing with McLennan that I think is really important is he's the kind of guy who needs a good playmaker as a centerman to get the puck. Kind of the, the opposite of what I was talking about with uh, Evangelista, where he was more of a playmaker in my eyes than a goal scorer. Whereas McLennan, it seems like uh, from what I saw of him, was just had an eye for the net and an eye for goal. So if you put him with a centerman that's able to create space and uh, find him in open areas where he can just get a quick shot off, I think he's going to have a lot of success. Any concern with the fact that he's only five foot eight and 157 pounds? I mean, when when you're that far down uh, on the weight and size scale, it's definitely concerning. But like we said before, the league is going smaller and faster. And he's got tons of time to grow to uh, hopefully get bigger, get stronger, put on some muscle. And I think with time, that's not going to be an issue. And these small guys, they're always um, finding ways to make it into the NHL. Like they don't, they don't have excuses. Um, uh, Marty St. Louis had a really good quote uh, that I feel like most small NHL players can uh, relate to. He said, "Whenever a door closed on him, he would find a window." And that's how he moved on with his career, climbing through windows, not using the front door like most people. So I think that's a situation we could see McLennan in as well. Okay, very nice. I like that logic. We have him ranked a little bit higher than. The um, consensus, I guess, Elite Prospects has him 63rd. Hey, he's ranked 65th among North American skaters by the NHL Central Scouting. So they must have really taken into effect that the that he hasn't played more than 46 games in a season in his life, right? Going all the way back uh, as far as his Elite that Prospects is, uh... page. So that is something that has to be taken note of. And then Scott Wheeler has him ranked at number 55. So yeah, like I said, we have them a little bit higher than most as we go to pick number 42. I keep saying pick. I mean to be saying number in our rankings. Ranking. 42, Ronnie Herivonen. And I want to say, yeah, other than Pavel Novak, this is our only our second European here as we are eight picks in to our rankings. Yeah, second European here, but uh, he's among some big names. So he finished with 55 points in 50 games as a U-17 player in the Finnish U-20 league last season. Let me throw out some names for you that you're going to recognize when you're talking about guys that were more than point-per-game players at that level at that age. So again, he had 55 points in 50 games. Sebastian Ajo in front of him, the leader at that age, with 59. Mikel Granlin with 57. And have you ever heard of that kid in the Big Apple, Capo Caco? They had the same production at the same age. So, I mean, this guy's five foot nine, 154 pounds. That's small. But he's able to use his speed. He sees his teammates well. He's a smooth skater. Good agility. Good on a jet. His edges. I think he'll find a window or two. Pilsy. 
Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully he's looking for those windows. And he had a pretty good showing at the Holinka Gretzky Cup last summer too. Four goals and one assist in three games. And I know, Parley, you're always uh, really into the legacy players. His dad had a pretty decent career in the Finnish League as well. He played for 13 uh, years in the Finnish League. So that's that's always good when you've got uh, that kind of hockey knowledge. And I think his dad's a coach now in Finland. So that's always good when you've got that knowledge surrounding you and supporting you. And uh, hockey's basically been his life. And if everything goes well and he gets drafted, it's going to continue to be his life. So th- that's great. We have him a little bit lower than, uh, than the consensus. We have him... 10 picks lower than Wheeler, who has him at 32, whereas the other sites are even more bullish on him. They think he's going to be a first-round pick, 21st by Future Considerations, 25th by McKean's Hockey, and 29th by Elite Prospects. Hey, even uh, NHL Central Scouting has him 10th among European skaters for the draft. So he's the Finnish 5'9 forward, but uh, those are impressive numbers you pulled out, Parley. And speaking of impressive numbers Jean-Luc Foudy who's a track and field star in high school uh he's a younger brother of Liam Foodie, who you might know made his NHL debut this year with the Columbus Blue Jackets what can you say about uh, Jean-Luc Foodie, who his track ability uh, from what we've heard transfers to the ice these guys are speed 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 you mentioned his brother Liam Jean-Luc yeah, track star, and uh, he'll turn it into a track meet if he needs to. These guys are speedsters. It, it, it runs It runs in the family, I just want to say. His mother is an Olympic sprinter, and his dad is a former CFL player. So definitely in the genes. Oh, for sure. And he's he's got more stature than other players that we just talked about. He's five foot eleven, but definitely a guy that plays on the perimeter. He uses his speed to beat you down the wing. Not going to be a guy that beats you in the middle of the ice. Yeah, and uh, guys, from what I've been reading, uh, a lot of scouts and uh, reporters seem to have a similar kind of knock on him is that he tends to hold on to the puck a little bit too long. And then if you're holding on to the puck, getting a little too fancy, you get get into some risky spots uh, inevitably, right? But I feel like this is something that's really common among uh, some talented guys who they've been playing their whole lives just dangling around kids, just so talented and dominating. They're the ones that are used to setting the pace of the game. Whereas you get up into junior, the defenders get a little bit better, teams start game planning against you, and you think you can keep doing this, but you can't. So that's something he's going to have to work on. He's going to have to work on getting the puck, making simple passes, trying to uh, create a pass on the rush and get going instead of just holding on to the puck for so long. So we'll keep that in mind and uh, keep an eye on him for uh, that specifically. I got a kind of a funny uh, quote for you here. It's from Scott Whaler at The Athletic, but uh, he's quoting Jack McBain of the Minnesota Wild, and he trains with the Foodie Brothers in the offseason, and this is his quote. He's good, man. He's got really good skill, and he flies just like Liam. Really good playmaker. Sees the ice really well. They wheel. Like, he's an unreal skater. Really good on his edges. He's going to yeah. be good. Wheeler was also saying, though, there are some bad habits in his game. He thinks it's based on the fact that he's always been faster than everyone and had the ability to hold on to the puck so much longer. And so we'll, we'll see if that can correct itself, right? They're saying we'd rather see him distribute it in the defensive zone or the neutral zone rather than just try to skate and do it all kind of himself. But seems like a correctable error. And if, if there's uh, the ability of, of being able to skate 
not really breaking any news by saying that's one of the most important, if not the most important aspect of hockey. So as long as his, his brain can come along, uh, I just mean that in terms of hockey sense to s- catch up to, to how fast his feet are moving. Similar to what uh, another former London, well, sorry, his brother played for the London Knights, but uh, Jean-Luc's playing with the Windsor Spitfires. But I was thinking about Alex Formanton, a similar kind of skill set where they're always going to, that's the challenge for them. So we'll see if he can continue on uh, with that. So that wraps up the five for today. To recap, at 41, Jean-Luc Foudy. 42, Ronnie Rivonen. At 43, Connor McLennan. At 44, Luke Evangelista. And at number 45, Ozzy Wiseblatt. Boys, it's been a long episode, but it's been a good one because TSN, thank you to the quiz master and everyone there for giving us something to yell about, as Pilsy was saying. Get mad at something, which was great. Parley, I know you got uh, your blood boiling, but it was great and it's great discussion and it can continue on at Send Central on Twitter. And don't forget to go to BuiltBar.com and put in the promo code Locked On to get $10 off your first purchase. For Brandon Pillar and Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.